She's gorgeous, bubbly, blonde, hair perfectly curled around her pink cheeks. She's mixing cake batter, her arms swirling passionately around the bowl, her cleavage and cinched waist behind her pink apron, purposefully and perfectly center of the screen. She's talking about making her husband's favorite cake recipe. A second later, the screen cuts to her pulling the perfectly baked cake out of the oven as she says cutely, I put my husband's wants ahead of my own, and this has done nothing but benefit myself and my marriage. If it sounds cringy, it is, but it's more than just cringy. It's a far right cover. It's women who are just as pissed off as we are about the current state of the world, but instead it blames feminism for failing women and offers the only antidote as the return to tradition, a tradition that is romantic for some, but violent for others, namely people of color, LGBTQ folks, disabled folks, and more. I'm Sarah. I watched way too many Trout Wife videos for this episode. This is Reclaiming and Girls to the Fucking Front. Monday, happy whatever day you're listening to this. Happy mid-March, happy almost spring equinox. Welcome to another episode of Reclaiming, the weekly podcast where we take everything back that was taken from us by the patriarchy one by one. I'm Sarah. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm really happy to have you here with me this week. Before we get to the topic, as always, I wanted to make sure you are signed up for the Reclaiming newsletter, which hits your inbox every Monday. Same with this podcast. It's a weekly newsletter with rants and rages and celebrations and updates, links, videos, memes, and so much more. So don't miss out. You can sign up on the website, reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaimeffingeverything.com. Also, if you could please head to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to this and give this podcast a five-star rating and review, I would be so grateful. I uh, did some research when I was uh, starting this podcast and knew that there were a million other podcasts named Reclaiming, but didn't really imagine how much that would kind of hurt the podcast. So if you give it a rating review, it really helps it go all the way up in the algorithm. And I would really appreciate it. Then more people can hear our stories and hear these messages. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Love you. Okay. This week, um, I'm giving my hot take on Tradwives. Are you ready? <laughs> I have some thoughts about it. It's really interesting because I'm actually currently binging uh, Handmaid's Tale the last like couple of weeks. And um, there's a lot of overlap, I'm realizing. <laughs> and for a second, when I was doing the um, when I was watching these Tradwife videos and content for research for this episode, I got this weird deja vu. So there's a lot of kind of crossover there. I don't know if you're a Handmaid's Tale kind of uh, a fan or a watcher, but um, there's a lot of crossover with today's topic. And I'm sure many of you know what it is already, but because it's getting so much traction in the media lately, if you don't know what it is, Trad Life, which is the topic of this uh, this week's podcast, stands for Traditional Life. It's a conservative movement that you got it, <laughs> seeks to return to the traditional life resembling the 1950s. They use tradition in quotes there. The wives that carry this movement out are called Trad Wives. They actually call themselves out. It's not just us calling them. It's not just a moniker that we're giving to them. They actually call 
call themselves tradwives. This is women-centered activism derived from their faith as they're almost always Christian, also derived from their communities, which are usually suburban and upper uh, middle class, middle to upper middle class, and definitely derived from their fear that change might compromise their lifestyle and their place in the hierarchy. You might have seen them before. They have content on TikTok, YouTube, they have podcasts, Instagram accounts, other mediums. Tradwives espouse retrograde 1950s style family values and hierarchies between men and women, states and citizens, God and humankind. Their content is usually on the surface. Uh, you'll see it's about baking, raising kids, cooking, cleaning. Um, they generally believe that white Christian heterosexual people who represent all that is natural and good in America are under threat from immigrants, feminists, liberals and LGBTQ people. Let me start this by saying there's absolutely nothing wrong if you choose to stay home with your kids. If you're able to do that, that's great. But if you perchance are shown this content in your feed, <laughs> be very aware of who these tradwives are and how they are trying to influence culture. You might have seen some of this content floating around on TikTok or Instagram. Usually it's white women all dolled up. Again, nothing wrong there. Um, and they are filming themselves cooking or cleaning or baking. At the same time, they are sharing why they've decided to revert to the traditional family structure and the hierarchy of the 1950s. Again, I have no problem with women being home with their, with their kids, but I do have a problem with purposefully adopting a romantic view of a time period that was so violent to people of color because they know this all the same. And I'll talk about the Tradwives connections to white nationalism in, and the alt-right in a second. But let's go back to Tradwives um, and just their content. As they cook or clean and do laundry, they talk about how feminism led women astray. They understand that women are powerful, just like feminists do. But they believe, at least on the surface, that women are the most powerful when they're in submission to their husbands or in servitude toward their family. Maybe this is them resigning themselves to the patriarchy's existence, but they're unwilling to fight it and choosing instead to sit back and reinforce the status quo. They might be baking a cake and showing you how they made this gorgeous cake, but at the same time, as they whisk and frost and flutter around their pastel colored kitchens and their pink aprons, they're telling you that they're baking this cake because it's their duty to keep their husbands happy and it's their duty to be submissive. These women do a lot of the day in the life videos, going through their wifely duties and posting a lot of pictures and videos of their gorgeous houses, their gorgeous vacations, and their gorgeous families. There are so many different kinds of trad wives, though. The description I just gave you might have a certain, you know, idea in mind, but there's actually a lot of different kinds of trad wife content. So I'm going to be pulling this description pretty much word for word from a Descent article that I linked in the show notes because I really can't describe it any better, the different kinds of trad wives. So first you have like real corn-fed Mormons who swear off premarital sex, who want and have children. These women must be distinguished from the Catholic converts. Trad wives are often coquettish girlfriends rather than wives. Then there are the army wives and the wives of power line technicians called line wives. And here there's more of a class rather than a racial diversity in trad wifery. Um, the, the content is not as white as one might assume. And then the next is the back to nature wife, well-plated and capable manager of her farmstead. And then you have the worst kind, the conservative wife, who's more shock jock than influence. 
influencer. She will proselytize right wing virtues directly to the camera, describing them as locked in a life or death battle with a degenerate and impossibly influential leftism. Finally, it's not a huge portion, but there's also women living in big cities with advanced degrees, leftists themselves, who traffic in half ironies and conscious displays of heterosexual longing. Some wives primarily dress other women. They speak to women, other women who might be thinking about, you know, leaving the workforce to stay at home with their husbands and their kids. They market themselves either as role models or scolds. And then they also might be uh, marketing themselves for men and their attention, the male gaze. They craft their image for men. Either way, whichever kind of trad wife it is, they're all online performers in the end. In addition to being submissive and obedient to their husbands, this movement also is devoted to child rearing and the family. It places motherhood as the pinnacle of a woman's purpose. Again, very Handmaid's Tale. It glorifies the nuclear family and a very pastel, pretty version of this 1950s inspired family today. And it has a very accessible undercurrent of, don't you wish this was you? (laughs) The content looks backward at the romance and safety and leisure of traditional families, even though they're doing it on these super modern communication channels like Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. I've mentioned this before, but I'm actually a historian by training. And I do want to say I discovered a really interesting interpretation of that original kept housewife thing from the 1950s, that it was actually a consumerist and capitalistic um, advertising strategy. That traditional 1950s baking and obedient housewife narrative was actually devised by the mad men of the time. And they did that to sell stoves and ranges. And they did it because they, they knew that men who controlled the family's finances, it would be appealing to them to tell them that they deserved to home-cooked meal. And it happened to land perfectly too after World War II and the beginning of the Cold War. So there was like this national pride, which was super romantic, but there was also this fear that reinforced the hierarchy. Just a little addendum. That's my professional historian opinion. But as I mentioned, the common narrative among the trad wives is that women have been let down by liberal feminism. There's a couple of um, popular trad wife TikTok influencers that I read interviewed on some of these articles, and I've linked them all in the show notes. One of them is Esti Williams, who told Insider, I chose the trad lifestyle because I believe that women have drifted far from our roots. For me, the hustle culture was not appealing. Working outside the home is cause of burnout for many mothers. Another such influencer on Instagram, Issa Ryan, asked, are women really empowered by being expected to work outside the home and outsource their caretaking and homemaking to others? And then there was a third, uh, Femininity Rules, that's the handle, who called herself an ex-feminist. She posted a 1950s-style drawing of a woman in an apron serving coffee, captioned, I'd take belonging in the kitchen any day over having to split 50-50 and work a nine-to-five. So to these trad wives, they see feminism as a defunct and joyless system, and they have no use for it. They rebel against rebellion, and they're content with, even romantic about, their roles of dependence and servitude. They profess to love men and masculinity. They hate the notion of gender fluidity or egalitarian partnership. They reject resistance actively, and they don't just let women who want to be liberated exist without them. They aim to take them down. Reminds me a lot of Phyllis Schlafly, who I'll talk about in a little bit. You may up to this point be thinking, hey, you know, from what you've just shared from those three trad wives, it sounds like they just want to be stay at home wives and serve their husbands and, you know, just be assholes about it. But at least they're not overtly racist or doing any harm. Right. And this is why it's so insidious, my love. Yes, that is their surface message. But the messages are used to draw people in so they can slip more dangerous messages in and lead you into their really hateful ideology over time. And if you're thinking that they couldn't possibly 
probably be dumb enough to outright say any racist or white nationalistic things. I'm sorry to burst that bubble, but they are and they do. One trad wife named Ayla Stewart, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, Ayla Stewart, went from being a feminist pagan and Dennis Kucinich supporter to being a Mormon trad wife who spouts racist platitudes on her blog. She shares videos talking about cookie recipes and her kids in the garden, and then she shares it with racist screeds about the refugee crisis, and she talks about how good mothers should dress modestly, speak softly, and avoid, quote, urban accents. That is racist as fuck, but she uses her motherhood to obscure her white nationalist beliefs. I've mentioned before that motherhood and having babies is very much a pinnacle purpose of women in this traditional movement, but I also want to note that it's one of the most basic tenets of white nationalism. White nationalism is a deeply pro-natal movement. I'm not saying that having babies and wanting to have babies is inherently white nationalist at all, because I know some people might, you know, take these words and just construe them to fit whatever they fucking want, but I'm not saying that I'm seeing women who knowingly romanticize a violent time for everyone but white folks and perpetuate these racist creeds in their video and focus on having babies. These are the problem. These are all right white supremacist pro-natalism women that say white America is under threat and white women should have as many white children as they can. And you don't have to look far into history to see when this has been a problem before. Nazis gave women medals based on how many children they had. And this is where it gets astronomically fucked up. Alia Stewart, the one I just mentioned, became notorious in mainstream media after tweeting a, a challenge called the White Baby Challenge. Now, like I said, this is nothing new. If you're a white woman and I'm a white woman, buckle up because I'm I'm going to go through a little bit of truth <laughs> right now. And it could get really uncomfortable, but it's really necessary to understand so we can really resist and dismantle it. Now, white women have played a huge part in the advancement of the far right. Since the demise of the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, and if you know me, you, talk, you know I talk about it all the time, a majority of white women have often challenged egalitarianism or opposed its champions. A majority of white women actually haven't voted for a Democratic presidential nominee since 1996. And before that, the last time they had done so was 1964. The most high profile legal cases against affirmative action have been headlined by white women. And a 2014 Harvard study found that nearly 70 percent of white female respondents somewhat or strongly opposed the policy. That's affirmative action. In the South, research shows that white women have played a critical role in moving politics to the right. I mean, you don't even have to look far. You just look at, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene. They've been instrumental, for example, in getting states to restrict reproductive rights, which disproportionately affects women of color, especially poor women of color. And in 2017, more than 60 percent of white women in Alabama voted for Roy Moore for the U.S. Senate, despite the Republican candidate being accused of sexual assault and misconduct conduct with teenage girls. Come the fuck on, ladies. Oh, my God. In general, for men and women, the Republican Party is now deeply rooted and like the modern hate movement. And that modern hate movement is getting louder and louder, especially since Trump became president in 2016 and made all these shameful behaviors and beliefs OK for those who kept their racism private and in the shadows. And many women who adhere to these ideas have found a safe place for their racist beliefs in the trad wife movement, which has gained so much traction, especially after COVID. So I've said before, these women find agency and power and purpose in the role of wife and mother, but they support their loved ones while also serving a higher racial cause. 
They use their whiteness as synonymous with good womanhood. They equate the good white mother or the good white woman with teaching and enforcing racial distance in their homes and in public. Women who policed the color line in the civil rights era did so in the name of decency and virtue, of patriotism, of pride, science, and God. They justified their white supremacy as maternal responsibility. White women penned letters to the editor and produced reports claiming that classroom integration was terrible for their children's education and possibly to their health. They also insisted that integration violated natural law. Okay. So that was really hard to stomach. I know, but it's so necessary. If you're a white woman listening to this podcast, or if you follow me on social media, if you read my newsletter, I know that you're working on unpacking the deeply embedded white supremacist patriarchy under which we were all born and just inherited. And I know it's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. It requires giving up the things that make us feel comfortable. But my loves, we need to confront this and we need to do everything we can to demolish this way of thinking among our demographic, because the truth is we can't imagine what lies ahead of us in a radically egalitarian and loving community, but it's definitely better than this bullshit. I promise. And we can do this. I see you. I hear you. If this is making you uncomfortable, I, I hold space for you. We have a lot of learning and listening to to do, but we can do it together. OK, that was a little side note for white women that might be listening to this. Back to trad wives for a second. The movement is not a fringe thing. It is a mobilized movement in its own way. And the reason why it's important to see how this movement is part of a larger historical movement of women using their saintly woman and motherhood to cover up for their white supremacy, it's really insidious because it's hard to challenge it. They make it really hard to challenge it because in the words of Ayla Stewart, all she wanted was safety, prosperity and health for her family and nation. How can that be considered hateful? This is all so dangerous. These women are saying, hey, here's what we made for dinner. Here are my kids raking the yard. Look at my blissful life. But they're doing that because they're practically daring critics of white nationalism like me to say something critical so they can retort. Are you saying that my kids are little dangerous Hitlers in the making? They make it so hard to challenge their ideology, which is so problematic. And it's so easy also to see why people get pulled into it if they're not aware what the of the bigger purpose of this content. They recruit people this way through very accessible, non-threatening messages at first. You know, here's the, my husband's favorite cake recipe. Here's my kids raking the lawn. These women promise an easier life. And they also provide a hero to disgruntled women all over that they can look up to a woman who abandons the workforce and retreats indoors to care for her husband. They make a huge show of how normal they are and they make it easy for people to be seduced and think, oh, she hasn't said any racial slurs. She hasn't promoted violence. This can't possibly be bad, but they use their motherhood as a shield. They're saying it's not that I hate black people. I just want the best for my own children. So I want to live in an all white community and homeschool my kids. It's manipulative. And on top of that, in the Instagram era, women can make themselves useful as bridges to communicate these insidious ideologies with the mainstream. There are some who say the vilest shit imaginable through trad wife content. And then there are ones who just say, oh, we just want to love our heritage. We just want to love our children. Look at me. I'm just a nice white woman trying to live her life. What could be so bad about that? On top of that, the way women draw in new members to their trad life movement is often so much less aggressive than the recruitment tactics for the far right for men. They might invite someone over for wine or use community picnics or Bible study groups as scouting grounds. They go to mommy blogs and online forums for women who are concerned about their kids, which is, you know, probably a lot these days since the GOP is trying to make it so scary to be a kid. 
it is, of course, a natural impulse to be a good parent and to be concerned about your kids. And so they prey on that. The interesting thing about the trad wife movement, though, is that it gives real criticisms about life under late stage capitalism. These women hate work and celebrate arrangements where men rescue their lives from the professional realm. They condemn girl boss feminism just like we do. They condemn the glass ceilings, but they give women a way out. Only tradition can save you from a commute, ladies. Another funny thing is that as much as they hate working, they're actually working quite hard as content creators. It's kind of like when the ladies who advocated for the ERA told Phyllis Schlafly that she might be the most liberated woman ever, ironically, because she's free, but uses her wild open freedom to further oppress and push her agenda. Listen, my loves, times are tough. Capitalism's failure is getting harder and harder to ignore. It is fucking dying. Even the trad wives know that. But then they forget one very important part that capitalism is perpetuated by the nuclear family. It depends on the family, which is a structure through which property and debt and economic interests are all consolidated. The family has long been an exclusive realm, and that's where people hoard their interpersonal and economic resources. But when tradwives complain about the failures of capitalism and propose tradition as the antidote, they overlook the contradiction of its own supposed anti-capitalism and supplant it with a sharp and flawless pastel pink Instagram grid. So I mentioned before Phyllis Schlafly because I wanted to um, I wanted to bring her back up because a lot of people are starting to call this trad life movement the Phyllis Schlafly core. Um, Phyllis Schlafly was an anti-feminist activist during the women's movement of the 1960s known for her crusade against the ERA. Her campaign was dubbed STOP, which is an acronym for Stop Taking Our Privileges. It alluded to the particular privileges of being a white woman situated in the social hierarchy above racial minorities and within favorable distance of white men. That was that's a really important part. So it places women above racial minorities, but within favorable distance of white men. Phyllis was a brilliant and sharp woman, and her messages were the same as the ones that trad wives espouse, that the traditional family, a.k.a. the white upper middle class family with a husband who worked and a mom who stayed at home, was a ticket to the future. And doubling down on the importance of protecting this traditional womanhood and motherhood while blending her messages with fear and frustration and intolerance. And if you have not seen Mrs. America on Hulu, I think it's on Hulu, stop everything and watch it now. It is absolutely brilliant. And Kate Blanchett plays Phyllis Schlafly brilliantly. Rose Byrne plays Gloria Stein. Them. Okay, that was the end of my pitch. This isn't, you know, sponsored or anything. It's just such a good series. I've seen it so many times. Um, I bring up Phyllis Schlafly because it's important to note that in today's hate m- movements, the women ha- who have this nostalgic idea of what it means to be a housewife don't actually want to be seen like the stodgy Phyllis Schlafly restoring the world to this Rockwellian idea of America. They actually consider themselves rebels and countercultural because they define the mainstream as feminists, like you and me, and multicultural. So they're saying, okay, look, everyone. There are everyone's feminist, everyone's LGBTQ, everyone is liberal, everyone is just fucking like multicultural, and that's the status quo. So they think that they're the ones rebelling. It is so fucking backwards. Okay. There's a cognitive dissonance there, and they're not stuffy, and they're hip Instagrammers, which is what makes it so insidious and so easy to get pulled in. (laughs) Okay, that's a lot. As I wrap up, I do want to point out that anytime there's a movement for women's rights, there's always a counter movement. This can be really frustrating, but we have lots of experience with this in the feminist movement. During the suffrage movement, the suffragettes were actually met with so much ridicule and punishment and panic. And then it wasn't even until 70 years later that after the Seneca Falls uh, Convention that the U.S. Congress adopted the 19th Amendment. 
And then six decades later, the second wave feminists lost a projected battle over the ERA to Phyllis Schlafly's stop campaign. And what we're going through now is uh, considered the fourth wave of feminism. And I argue that trad wives are one of the biggest female-led counter movements for women's rights. It's worth noting that they won't just stop because Roe v. Wade was overturned. These strategies employed by these women and the anti-woman movements happening all over the world, including the one in Iran, will serve as blueprints for the oppression of others, including LGBTQ folks. We are seeing this already with the way the Republican Party is dehumanizing trans folks. So that is why this is so important. We need to address this head on because if this shit works and pulls more people in, they will use this tactic for many other marginalized groups of people. In her 1983 book, Right Wing Women, radical feminist author Andrea Dorkin theorized that some women embraced anti-feminism as a means of self-preservation in the face of male oppression. Feminists from base of powerlessness want to destroy that power, she said. Right wing women also from a base of powerlessness, the same base, accommodate to that power because quite simply, they see no way out from under. I think there's something to be said about these trad wives being just as scared of the patriarchy as we are. And I don't say scared in a bad way. I think there's a lot to fear about how they're taking our rights away so quickly, but I think there's a way we can alchemize it for the better of everyone. But I think there's a truth in that these trad wives see the failures of capitalism, the way women are subjugated to it, and pick a time period that they fit more easily into because because it's simply the most efficient way for them to be safe from underneath it. Safer, I should say, because they're truthfully, none of us are safe under it. So finally, what do we do about these trad wives? First, don't give them clicks or views. They get paid by those. Understand that algorithms make it easy to fall down rabbit holes and question everything you see online that seems to support a traditional life. And let me reiterate, I'm not saying here that you shouldn't want to be a stay-at-home mother at all. I'm saying understand what these movements say, where they prey on women for recruitment, and never lose focus on the true issue at hand, that oppressive systems are expertly designed and perpetuated and propagandized, and we fit into them in precarious and uncomfortable ways. It can be frustrating to see the world fall apart around us, but be careful where you take refuge as a woman and don't let their easy to grasp talking points dissuade you from actively dismantling the systems and liberating everyone, not just white traditional housewives. That's it for this week, my love. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, please make sure you're signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter. You can sign up on the website at ReclaimEffingEverything.com. That's Reclaim, E-F-F-I-N-G, Everything.com. You can follow me on Instagram at ReclaimEffingEverything. And please make sure you give this podcast Cassie five star rating and review wherever you're listening to it. I would love it so much. That would be so sweet. And remember my loves, feminism is believing that love could one day make everything different. The systems we have now that were built for exactly what they're doing now aren't working, but that doesn't mean we go back. It means we keep pushing forward out of love for everyone, out of compassion, out of love for ourselves. When it gets ugly, when it gets dirty, when it gets messy, when it feels hopeless, love is resistance. Keep pushing forward, don't go back. And we don't even know about a fraction of the possibilities of the futures where love can rule all. And who wants to go backwards when that limitless love-filled future is an option? Until next week, my loves, I love you so much and girl fucking power. 